Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Find the smallest, smallest, smallest group of people that you can influence and you enjoy being a member of their community and just focus on them. Best ever listeners, do you want to make more money on your real estate projects? Well, I'm guessing that I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, guess what, my friends? Today's best ever sponsor, Fund That Flip, is working with well, one of our previous best ever guests who has the most po- one of the most popular episodes, Jay Scott. If you aren't familiar with this episode, then go check that out, episode 217. If you are, because you're a loyal best ever listener, then you know that he knows how the heck to both analyze deals, especially flips, how to optimize the profits on those flips and how to look at the market. Because of that, Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has worked with him and put together a guide that is the seven tips to increase your real estate profits in today's market. Go check that out. Go get that guide. I've read through it myself. I've learned a lot of things from it, from how to analyze the market cycles, as well as how to optimize profits and not lose money or mitigate your risk for losing money on your deals go check it out fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever that's f-u-n-d-t-h-a-t-f-l-i-p.com forward slash best ever you're going to learn the tools to better understand your local market and position your business for success you're going to know how to analyze the real estate cycle and how to use short-term investing to capitalize on the market cycle and seven concrete actionable tips to make more money on your deals. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. And this is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast with us today to do follow along Friday where I talk about what I got going on as a entrepreneur and with the whole process the whole or the whole reason why is to help you do better in your business enhance it learn what I'm doing not well and don't do it or learn what I'm doing well and perhaps copy aspects of it and apply it into your business today we're going to be focused on 10 ventures that I have done 
or in most cases am currently doing that are making me money, not making me money, but giving me exposure, or did not make me money, didn't get the exposure, and was a failure. So we're going to talk through 10 total ventures that I have done as an entrepreneur, and we will talk about the pros and cons and basically the net result from those ventures. With us today to talk through that, got the co-author of the best real estate investing advice ever book, volume one, and soon to be volume two, coming up here in early 2017, Theo Hicks. Hello, Theo. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Thanks for having me back, and I'm looking forward to a very informative conversation. I think the best ever listeners are going to learn a lot from this one. I think so, and I hope so. So how do you want to approach it? So we've got it broken down into, as you said, a couple of different categories. So I think the simplest and the, the most pleasurable ones to talk about to start off will be the, the ones that make money. <laughs> so you've got your, your podcast, you've got your real estate syndication, your consulting, and then your Skillshare. And so I know we've talked about the podcast, how that makes money in the past, as well as the real estate syndication. But I think it'd be cool to start with the consulting, how that got started and the pros and cons of that endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think in order to talk about consulting, I've got to put it in context because it's one business model and it all all roads lead back to multifamily syndication, mm-hmm. buying apartment communities with investors sharing in the profits. That's the big business. So the podcast, as we've talked about in previous shows, it basically breaks even. Right now it's $5,000 a month to sponsor an entire month with a minimum of three months for the podcast. And I have sponsors locked in through March 1st now of 2017. Oh, wow. So that's pretty much done from a a revenue stream. And now it's just a matter of basically breaking even with the team members I have. And those team members are you, my editor, my assistant, the person who schedules the interviews and that is pretty much it so the syndication is buying apartments with investors sharing in the profits i make money primarily three ways one is an acquisition fee so that's the fee to put the deal together to hurt everyone up and focus everybody's efforts on one deal make sure that deal is a good deal find the deal and close on the deal. That's the acquisition fee. The asset management is to run the deal, make sure the business model is being implemented and to use specifics. The acquisition fee ranges on deals, but it can be two to 3% of the total capitalization stack or the purchase price. And the asset management fee is typically 2% of the total amount of income that's generated on a monthly basis and then equity ownership in the deal. Once you close the deal, you'll, or you meaning me and the general partners have ownership in the deal more than the amount of money we put in. So say using just random numbers, say we put in 5%, but we get 30%. So there's 25% ownership that we would get as a result for bringing it all together to investors for them to invest in. Those are the three ways I make money. And those two ventures, the podcast and syndication, have been tremendously beneficial and gotten me to where I'm at. The podcast 
from a business standpoint, since it basically breaks even or loses money, it's for thought leadership and how that benefits my business is if someone just randomly searches my name, they're able to see who I'm talking to, what I'm learning, and the circles that I keep within my life, as well as I, from a business standpoint, I learn a whole bunch from it, interviewing on average one person a day. And then it also helps with investor conversations because they're able to get to know me without even speaking to me because they can kind of sense how I approach things just by listening to some podcasts. Syndication, that would be the way I make the most money. And that's the North Star for everything I do. So now consulting, now to answer your question directly, consulting, the reason why I do that, there's a lot of reasons actually, business reasons. One is I have clients all over the United States who are looking at deals. And if they find a deal that is too large for them, but they can do some of it, meaning they will bring in some equity or maybe they don't have any equity for whatever reason, although they should if they're looking at deals. If you follow, if they're following my process, they shouldn't be looking at deals until they have equity. But if, say for whatever reason they come across a deal and they don't have any equity, then they could wholesale it or rather just tell me about it. And that would get me and my group a another deal. And then in return, my client would get a fee or perhaps even very small part of the general partnership, depending on what, however we structure it. So that's one, access to more deals. Two is from a business reason, I'll go. I'll stick with the business, re- business reasons because I think anything that I'm currently doing, we can just assume I'm enjoying doing, and I think it's beneficial for those who are receiving it. So I'll put that out there already for everything I do. So I'll stick to the business reasons. Another way I do it is that The more deals I do, the more, going back to syndication, the more money I'm able to make. Plus, there's a fee for being in my private consulting group, and that's additional revenue. But primarily, it's for access to larger deals and to just kind of expand my network because the relationships that I've made just through my consulting program have helped grow the overall business exponentially as a result of finding deals or getting to know and become friends with my clients and then their family and their friends and then just growing this whole thing together. I should do cons just to balance it out for each of these two. The cons of doing the consulting is I offer an unlimited amount of my time to my consulting clients. So it it tends to be fairly time-consuming, but I am working with you, Theo. You and I put up a new document, a new thought leadership piece, and we upload it to the portal every week. And we're going to do that for the next 52 weeks. So by having others help me out like you, it helps grow the community and helps scale it a bit. But you know, ultimately, I'm able to only be in so many places at so many times. So I uh, only limit the new clients now to two per month. And that is manageable I found to bring on only two new clients a month. And that's what I've been doing for the past six to eight months or so. So Let's go back to cons for the other two now, syndication and podcast. I didn't talk about that. Well, for syndication, the cons is that I'm at the big boy table. And if I mess up on a deal, then my reputation is screwed. And 
it's going to have a domino effect. So I've been partnering with Frank on our, Frank, my business partner, on our deals, and things are going really well. But if something catastrophic were to happen, then that business is done. So I've got to make sure that that is my top priority, and it is my top priority when I look at the different ventures that I'm doing. And the other venture podcast, the con, is that that takes up a significant amount of my time. It's less and less now that I have all the team members, but I'm still interviewing 31 people. Well, let's say 27 people a month. I'm interviewing 27 people a month. So what is that? 27 hour. It's about, I'd say it's about 25 hours or so a month. It's about 30 minute conversations, but the miscellaneous stuff, like uploading files and miscellaneous stuff, I'm just going to round it up to maybe like 50 minutes a person. Uh, so, you know, the con is that it's just, it's time, but I see that as time invested well because I've seen the traction of my podcast. As you said, everything's a funnel to your real estate syndication business based off of the two things we've talked about so far, the podcast as well as the consulting. What percentage of the overall, I guess a, a high level guess, unless you know specifically, what percentage of the money that you've raised has come from each of those different ventures, the podcasting and as well as the consulting? I did analysis before, and I think there's an episode where I talk about this in detail. And I haven't updated it with the deal that we're closing on next month, the 296 units. But uh, it is the the podcast. At the time, it was 13% mm-hmm. of my investor dollars had been come directly from the podcast. And at the time, the consulting program I actually didn't even have a line item because I just called it investor referrals, and that was 26%. But now that this deal is happening, the one that we're closing on next month, I'd say both of those percentages, actually the podcast will probably decrease, and the investor referral slash clients will definitely increase, I'd say, to maybe 33%. And podcasts would go down just because that's what numbers do when you bring in more and you don't change one number, but you change the other. Yeah. Um, The thing is, the podcast is such a gray area when measuring the effectiveness it has when buying apartments with investors and sharing in the profits because there's thought leadership and there's the relationship I'm building with investors that – probably listen to it and it probably influences their decision on whether or not I'm the right guy to invest with in my deals. And they might have found me somewhere else, but there's a contributing factor that the podcast has that no other platform or thing has for me. Oh yeah. yeah the podcast is huge in a sense of the, again, we've talked about it before, about having information out there that people can see overnight, but I guess for my eyes, I think one of the biggest positives of the podcast is the overall ex- this exposure in, in general. I mean, as we were talking about before this, I, I got coffee with someone who was talking about how they listened to your podcast and how they were you know, trying to find a way to get in contact with you and you know, pitch you some idea that they had. And so obviously, every single person that pitches you an idea, you're not going to want to have to listen to all those people. But just that right there alone, the fact that people want to reach out to you because you're a thought leader and you're putting out content and you're 
talking to all these investors and providing all these people with information, it's very, very difficult to put dollar value on that. And also, I would assume that as time goes on, you're expecting for the podcast to have a more and more bigger impact on your business because it's, you know, you're doing amazing right now, but you're still kind of in the, the baby stages, I'm sure, in your eyes. And you're expecting the podcast to grow a lot more, which is kind of why you're bringing on people to help grow the podcast and, and so on and so forth. But I have a ton of questions. One of them was in regards to you know, the podcast or the consulting or kind of anything that you do for the best ever listeners that are looking to kind of add an additional venture to their real estate investing. In regards to consulting, when do you think would be a good time to start that? How much experience would someone need before they would have the ability to be a consultant to other investors? You just got to be able to do it. You have to have already done it. And if you have already done it and are currently doing it, then you can help others do what you did. That's what it boils down to. One of the, the failures that I've had, and I know we haven't gotten to that category yet, but it's I think there's a natural segue. One of the failures that I've had is I created a group on just single-family home investing. Like a, I was going to consult. I paid $10,000 for all these fancy videos, and it was a consulting program built around both consulting with me, but then also all these videos on how to buy single family homes and invest in those single family homes. I went between should I do this or should I focus my consulting program on buying apartment communities? Well, now it's on apartment communities, but it didn't start out that way. And it flopped. I had like eight or nine people sign up. It was $47 a month and that was it. And it cost me $10,000 to do all these videos. I mean, it was a complete failure. Uh, and what I learned from it, I learned a lot of things, but the main thing I learned is that if I'm not currently doing it, even though I've already done it, if I'm not currently doing it, then I'm not going to truly add value because things change. Like the loan I got for my second house is a home path loan. Well, those don't even exist anymore. And... That's a type of stuff where if I'm not currently doing it, then I shouldn't be consulting on it. So now I've got a consulting program where I only focus on raising money with investors and buying apartment communities, period. That's what my clients pay me to help them do, and that's successful. But the $10,000 program for the single-family homes wasn't because even though I'd already done it, I wasn't currently focused on it. Do you think that kind of doing that, that single family home consulting program and kind of starting it and I guess number one, getting your foot in the door into consulting is what kind of allows you to succeed at doing the multifamily part of it. It's like what you learned, even though the, the business itself was an overall failure, was the, the structure of it and everything like that something that you were able to apply to your multifamily business in order to make that successful or did you have to start from scratch? I learned some lessons I was able to apply towards the multifamily program, but I didn't make it nearly as polished as my other one, and I didn't go as broad and big. I went very narrow, and one of the things that Seth Godin said on, on the Tim Ferriss' podcast, he was recently interviewed, 
on was find the smallest, smallest, smallest group of people that you can influence and you would enjoy being a member of their community and just focus on them. Don't try and be everything to everyone. Just focus on this very small group of people. That is now my approach, even though, granted, my podcast is called Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever. I talk to wholesalers, fix and flippers. I do have that broad appeal, and that's fine for the podcast. But for consulting and for my personal focus, it's as small of a group as people as possible and then building up from there. I listen to that Seth Godin podcast as well. I really enjoy when he's on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Uh, so, so we've gone over making money. We've gone over, I guess, one of your failures. The other category we have is things that you don't make money on, but you do gain exposure and relationships. And under that category, we have the book as well as the in-person meetup. And I think for the best ever listeners, something that they could easily start themselves I think people could do a book, but an in-person meetup is something that I'm sure people could do themselves kind of right now today and they don't really need any kind of experience to start a meetup. What would you say would be the first step that you did in order to start that meetup that best ever listeners can apply in their own market? Yeah, all you got to do is just do a, a Eventbrite page and then go on bigger pockets and say – I'm starting this meetup for everyone in Cincinnati or Los Angeles or New York City, whatever, Dallas, and then schedule it. First meetup's going to have, depending on your influence, on bigger pockets and, well, I guess just bigger pockets, it might have two people, three people, and then you'll just have to grow up from there through word of mouth and through having good content and good speakers or, or good structure. The other thing I'd mention is another venture that I have done unsuccessfully. When I moved to Cincinnati, I had a meetup, and that's the first thing I created. Well, I still do that every month, and we have a really good turnout every month. But I tried to do something in addition to that monthly meetup. I tried to do a happy hour because I was like, hey, maybe I want to like hang out and, and do something more socially. Well... I had like four or five people show up, uh, and I'd say about 35 people show up for my monthly, my regular monthly. I had four or five people show up, and everyone was expecting a more of a presentation, which they, I guess they should have, but I don't have the time to put together a presentation or to coordinate an additional meeting every single month. So I just canceled the happy hours, and I don't do that anymore. Now I just do a monthly meetup, and... I guess what I learned from the happy hour example is that if you're going to do a happy hour, uh, then make sure that you have the time to plan it and make sure that you have the right people who are actually presenting. Because I didn't think about inviting any other people to present. I just thought we were all going to hang out and have drinks, and then maybe I'd do a little presentation. But really there needs to be some form of structure more so than just have a happy hour and let people hang out and that was a lesson that i learned and that's why i no longer do them because i just don't have the time that totally makes sense i totally bet it was worth uh it's definitely worth the try i've been to your meetup group before and they've got a pretty large audience so it was definitely worth the try so i guess quickly what are some pros and cons of just 
the in-person meetup in, in general because obviously you're not making any money off of it and you are spending your time doing it. And so what are you trying to get in return for that time investment you're putting into this in-person meetup? The number one thing I was looking for when I moved to Cincinnati was just friends, quite frankly, because I didn't know anyone when I moved to Cincinnati besides my girlfriend. So I, I wanted to just meet people and have a social-ish outing with people around the topic that I'm comfortable with. And I know from my just my my marketing background and just some things I've picked up through life, I know that if you're the one who's leading the charge or at least organizing the group, then your social status is elevated and it's just helpful. You get people come up to you, you get more deals, you, you maybe get access to different stuff. I don't know. It's just helpful to be the organizer. I just intuitively know that. As far as the any cons, it's just the time, a time that it takes to attend. But I, I only have our meetup once a month and it is for two hours and to last Tuesday of every month for anyone in Cincinnati. And then you've delegated some of the additional time it takes to set, kind of similarly to your podcast and your consulting. You've also, I guess, amount of time investment for that meetup outside of its increases. You've also delegated that off to someone else in order to maintain it without spending too much of your time on it, right? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. And so I guess finally, the last category we have is the to be determined. If you want to talk about that, a little bit the the conference that you're setting up and so maybe similarly to your meetup but on a, a grander scale and a, a an annual scale instead of a a monthly scale so what was the kind of the idea and thought process behind setting up that event it's going to be a conference like no other and the reason why i'm saying that is because we're approaching it like nobody else has approached a conference that i'm aware of and that is we're going to have an application process to attend. And the reason why we're having application process is because we want to learn what the attendees want to get out of the conference. And then we're going to personalize the conference based off of what they say. Mm. And the personalization will come in the form of speakers who are talking about those specific topics that the attendees say that they want to learn. So I know as a conference attendee, there are really two things that make up the success of a conference. One would be the speakers and being able to connect with the speakers and what you learn from the speakers. And two would be the other attendees and being able to make friendships and business relationships with other attendees. Those are the two ways conferences are successful. So we are completely personalizing this conference, the best real estate investing advice ever conference. And it's going to be in Denver, Colorado, early 2017. We don't have the application process up yet, but if you want an early invite, you can email me info, info at joefairless.com and mention best ever conference. And we'll make sure that you get an early invite for the application process. It's going to be at a venue that will be the best in Denver, and we're going to, I mean, with my podcast, fortunately, I'm able to connect with really anyone in real estate investing, and my team and I are identifying the right speakers based on the application process, so really excited about that. I don't know if it's going to make money, but I do know that it's going to be a quality experience, so that's in the category of 
TBD to be determined. Not sure what type of revenue generated that will be, but it's definitely going to be uh, an amazing experience for the attendees as well as myself and my team that we're all putting it on together. I'm pretty excited to hear and learn more about that conference, and I think it's fantastic, and I think it's a brilliant idea to personalize it to the people that are actually attending. Because, again, as you said, you've gone to conferences before, and we've gone to, to two together, and it's, it's hard when it's not personalized to actually what you want to get out of it. And, yeah, of course, you can get something out of everything, but if you're going to take the time to, for this situation, fly all the way out to Denver, it'd be nice to... When you're up there, a speaker answers the exact question that you had answered during, you had asked during your application process. So I think that what you're doing is great. I think it's going to be a, a great success, regardless of how much money it actually brings in. I think the experience and the relationships and the exposure are just going to be huge. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So it looks like we've, yeah, we've been going for about 38 minutes now. So I think we hit the majority of the, of the questions that, that I had about the ventures in regards to the ones that make money, no money, but exposure and relationships. And then we had a little bit on failing as well, as well as a conference. Is there, is there anything else that you want, anything else on this list that you think yeah. we should, should hit on? No. And just to summarize for the best ever listeners, the four that make me money, because I know I, I mentioned there are 10 ventures, the four that make me money, podcast, the syndication, consulting and then Skillshare, which we didn't talk about a, a lot, if at all. But Skillshare is basically an online class that I have on. If you type Skillshare Joe Fairless, you'll see my class. But it's probably like $40 a month. But I just put that up there because it's something that I don't spend any time doing, but I get a PayPal thing for like $40, $50 a month. It's a class on entrepreneurship. And then no money, but good exposure and relationships, two in that category, the book, that we wrote, and then in-person meetups. So I don't make any money, but I do get exposure and build relationships. One that is TBD on money, but certainly it will be exposure and relationships. That's the best real estate investing advice ever conference. Email me info at joefairless.com and put best ever conference in the subject if you'd like to be in on getting the early invite to apply. And then the three ventures that failed, and uh, we talked about what I learned from it, the in-person happy hour, uh, consulting for single-family homes, and also, we didn't talk about this, but my very first venture, before I even did real estate syndication, but after I left the advertising world, I was going to consult college students, young professionals, help them learn PR marketing skills and help them get promoted because I was the youngest vice president of a New York City ad agency. I was going to help them do the same, but that didn't work. They didn't have any money. I spent $3,000 on a website, burned and crashed, crashed and burned together. <laughs> and I learned that when you have a product before your clients, that's a problem. But if you have clients before you have a product, then you're going to do really well. Those are the 10 ventures of making money, not made money, but experience, TBD, and then three that failed. So thank you, Theo, for facilitating the conversation. Where can the best ever listeners learn more about you? My blog at www.theohicks.org, and that's where I post all of my unplugged podcast episodes. Awesome. Thanks so much, Theo. Best ever listeners. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you soon. If you're looking for home business strategies and how to have a successful one, then go to adamcoaches.com. That's adamcoaches.com. 
Adam is a previous best ever guest, episode number 76. He's a police officer. He's also a wholesaler, and he's got a successful home business. Go to adamcoaches.com and check it out.